0: Tired of being baffled by healthcare policy? McGuire Woods Consulting presents Complications Health Policy Unraveled. Your solution to the policy puzzle. With our host, Stephanie Kennan, discover the ins and outs of healthcare policy and gain insights crucial for providers and investors. Let's simplify the complex together.
1: Hello, I'm Stephanie Kennan, and this is Complications Health Policy Unraveled. Congress is looking at the end of the year and what it can accomplish. In this podcast, we'll discuss some of the health care issues that are hanging out there as part of the end-of-the-year health care agenda. First, almost every year, there is an end-of-the-health care package that is passed, usually at the last minute. That may not happen at the end of this year. That's because of the appropriations process, which now has two deadlines since Congress passed the lattered continuing resolution. One is in January, one is in February. Both the House and Senate have to pass bills and see what they can agree to before the first deadline in mid-January, and then continue to see what else they can agree to before the February deadline. And if nothing is agreed to on certain functions of the government, those functions would shut down. You have the potential of many government shutdowns. Many meaning M-I-N-I, not M-A-N-Y. Secondly, the continuing resolution did not make provisions for aid to Israel and Ukraine, and there are some deep divides in Congress that must be worked through on those issues. What looked like a sure bet on some of the foreign aid packages just a few weeks ago now looks like it will be much harder. This will take up time. Third, there's usually some must-pass legislation, particularly in healthcare, care, that becomes a part of a vehicle to attach to other health care provisions so they can all pass together. This Congress seems to be okay with letting some things lapse. For example, the Support Act, which was passed in 2018 and has to do with opioids and treatment, was allowed to lapse with most of Congress saying either we want to have a broader conversation on opioids and treatment or we'll get around to it really soon. So certainly either revamping, renewing, or somehow revising our approach on opioids and treatment is being thought about, but it's not likely to happen before the end of this year. When Congress did pass the lattered CR, they did extend funding for community health centers, the National Health Service Corps, Teaching Health Center, graduate medical education, and special diabetes programs, as well as they delayed the Medicaid disproportionate share hospital pay cuts and extended the floor for the geographic practice cost index until January 19th. So all of those will need to be re-looked at in January. This leads most observers to believe that there won't be an end-of-the-year health package. There'll be a beginning-of-the-year health care package. But let's discuss some of the issues that are hanging out there waiting for Congress to act on. PBMs is one. We've discussed the various iterations in some of these podcasts. But both the House and Senate have legislation pending to reform PBMs. The most recent congressional action includes the House Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee in November reporting out three bipartisan bills to check PBM practices. One was H.R. 2880, the Protecting Patients Against PBM Abuses Act, introduced by Representatives Earl L. Buddy Carter from Georgia and Lisa Blunt Rochester from Delaware, as well as others. The bill delinks PBM compensation from the cost of drugs, bans patient steering, and spread pricing, increases transparency, and addresses conflicts of interest. A second bill on PBMs was H.R. 5393, which was introduced by Representatives Griffith and Carter, and that would standardize pharmacy performance measures in the Medicare Part D program that assess network pharmacy performance by requiring that prescription drug plans only use pharmacy performance measures that are established by the Secretary of HHS and are relevant to a particular pharmacy. The legislation also would require an HHS Office of the Inspector General reports studying the implementation of these performance measures. The legislation also establishes a process by which private drug plans, PDPs, provide their network pharmacies with comprehensive information about pricing prescription drug claims. The third bill was H.R. 5385, the Medicare PBM Accountability Act by Representatives Landsman and Harshberger. This legislation would create enhanced PBM reporting requirements, including annual reporting of drug pricing and of other information to the Secretary of HHS, including information about Part D drugs, drug dispensing, drug costs, and pricing, and generic and biosimilar formulary placement. That information would be submitted, but would not necessarily be public, except in limited circumstances. Also, at the same time, the Senate Finance Committee reported out of committee the Better Mental Health Care Lowered Cost Drugs and Extenders Act, which incorporated the Modernizing and Ensuring PBM Accountability Act, which it had previously worked on. In addition, 109 patient advocates have called for action and earlier in November sent a letter to congressional leaders urging PBM reform. This follows a letter to Congress that had nearly 2,000 signatories from patient advocates, employers, healthcare providers, and pharmacies calling for PBM reform in July. Why does all of this matter? It's because Congress has devoted a great deal of time to looking at PBMs in both the House and Senate. Other committees, other than just those committees that deal with health care, have also looked at PBMs and passed legislation. That includes the Senate Commerce Committee and the House and Senate Judiciary Committee. The legislation that's been passed by the Senate Finance Committee and the House Energy and Commerce Committee, not to mention those other bills, could reshape the PBM industry significantly. Earlier in the fall, the House had scheduled a vote on PBM reform legislation, but called it off when some leaders began to have some concerns about the legislation. So that legislation was pulled. But nevertheless, they need to go back to it and want to go back to it. So we expect that they'll be trying to work out Some of the differences between their different bills as we approach the end of the year, but we are not likely to see final action on it. One other issue, which for right now, the future is unclear, is site-neutral payment reforms in Medicare. In the Health, Energy, and Commerce Committee, the chair, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, says she hopes to find common ground with the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee and the Senate Finance Committee on this issue. Members of both the House and Senate have been pushing for payment reforms that include site-neutral payments, and in fact, some of that was included in in the House Tri-Committee bill that was stalled in September. The Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, the HELP Committee, has looked at site-neutral payment issues, but not in Medicare. They don't have jurisdiction over Medicare. Senator Ron Wyden, chair of the Senate Finance Committee, did not include site-neutral payment reform in his most recent package, but said he wants to look at it more. At the Finance Committee markup in November, Senator Hassan pulled her amendment on site neutral reform because Senator Wyden said he wanted to understand the technical aspects of her proposal better. Both Senator Wyden and Senator Crapo have told Senator Hassan that they want to look more at site neutral payment reforms and work with her, And while the American Hospital Association, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, have been lobbying Congress to leave site neutral payment reforms out. However, consumer advocates are continuing to push hard on this issue and are not likely to be happy if it's left out. So look for more action on site-neutral payment reforms. Another issue in Medicare payment that needs to be addressed is physician fee cuts. Relief from the physician fee schedule cuts is one of a number of priorities that stakeholders had hoped lawmakers would tackle before the end of the year. Without congressional action, physicians face a 3.37% payment reduction on January 1, 2024. While the Senate Finance Committee recently considered an additional 1.25% mitigation of the cuts for 2024, that would leave providers a cut of about 2% under the physician fee schedule in Medicare. House Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee members have discussed Medicare physician pay reform bills, but They have not yet progressed in that committee. There has been a push for broader physician pay reform at the House Energy and Commerce Committee, and the Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee did pass a short-term extension of Medicare's value-based care incentives, as well as the Provider Reimbursement Stability Act. That bill would raise the budget neutrality threshold from $20 million to $53 million in 2025 and increase the threshold every five years by the cumulative increase in the Medicare economic index. However, that does not address the cuts for 2024. While there are many other issues, another big bucket of legislation is behavioral health, mental health benefits. As we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, the Support Act was allowed to expire, and that deals with treatment particularly related to opioids. Congress has been working on several behavioral health reforms to slip into the next major legislative package this year or in early 2024, including proposals to integrate mental health with primary care and reauthorize the Support Act in some fashion. One of the issues related to the Support Act is that in the House, many Republican members want to include a provision to reclassify a particular drug as a controlled substance, and many Democrats are opposed to that. Meanwhile, the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee leadership is now supposedly looking at how to reauthorize the Support Act. The Senate Finance Committee has passed the legislative package that I mentioned previously, the Better Mental Health Care Lowered Cost Drugs and Extenders Act, and that was passed out of the committee unanimously on November 8th. Wyden's goal is to include the bill's provisions, among which are Medicare incentives to encourage primary care providers to integrate with mental health as soon as he can get it into a package. Could Congress put together a package and pass it by December 23rd? Yes. But the likelihood that they would have all the details ironed out, given all the other issues they have to work with in appropriations and foreign aid, it's unlikely. Last in this podcast, I'd like to mention some retirements that have been announced that impact health policy. The top two leaders in health care at the House Energy and Commerce Committee, Health Subcommittee, have announced that they will retire. Representative Anna Ashew of California announced that she'll retire at the end of her congressional term in 2025, as did other members. Two prominent Republican health leaders and co-chairs of the GOP Doctors' Caucus also have said they will not seek re-election. Representative Brad Winstrup of Ohio announced he'll retire after 10 years in Congress, and Representative Michael Burgess of Texas is also retiring after 20 years in Congress. With Burgess and Eschew leaving Energy and Commerce, along with two other Democratic members, Congressman Sarbanes of Maryland and Tony Cardenius of California, that committee in particular will see a significant turnover in the next Congress, which could affect health care. Thank you.
0: That wraps up this episode of Complications, Health Policy Unraveled, presented by McGuire Woods Consulting. We hope you've gained valuable insights into the health care policy issues we discussed today. Follow us in your favorite podcast app and never miss a healthcare update by subscribing to host and JD Supra's number one healthcare author, Stephanie Kennan's Washington Healthcare Update at mwcllc.com. And if you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your colleagues and leave us a review. We always appreciate your feedback. To continue the conversation, send us an email at healthpolicy@mwcllc.com. At